Can you survive the vacuum of space by simply holding your breath? How can I speed up evolution to see what comes after birds? Answers to these questions and more on this episode of This Paranormal Life! Yo! Welcome back to the podcast. You're listening to This Paranormal Life, the weekly show where every Tuesday we investigate a different paranormal tale, case, claim, beast or whatever and get to the bottom of whether it's paranormal or not and guys this is a very exciting week to be a fan of the podcast because i got a i got a feeling this is going to be our best episode yet really i just there's something in the air there's a bit of electricity wow the paranormal is rearing its head around the corner and we're about to sucker punch this bish right in the nose this is going to be this is going to be a great episode i was just finishing up the notes there a minute ago, looking outside, there's like a weird harvest moon situation going on. Yeah. All the stars are aligning, ladies and gentlemen. I'm ready. As always, you're joined by myself, Kit Greer Malvena, this guy across from me, Roy Pars. Hello. And today, like every other day, we got a, a beautiful, fresh case to dive right into, so let's not dilly-dally around. Our story takes us back to 1924 in Oregon. United States of America. Okay. Almost a hundred years ago now, after the First World War and deep in the roaring 20s. But in some ways, the Pacific Northwest was still the wild frontier of the 1800s, the era of the gold rush, the Civil War. Not least for Fred Beck, Gabe Lefevre, John Peterson, Marion Smith, and Marion's son, Roy Smith. These men, one summer, had built a cabin deep in the woods under the shadow of Mount St. Helens, around eight miles from Spirit Lake. All right, these sound like you know, men of the earth, manly men. You know, snap a tree in half with your arms and build a cabin. It, yeah. it, the men of, you know, real men, burly men. We're talking pre-chainsaw lumberjacks. These guys are so earthy and lumbery that the checks on their shirt is tattooed into their freaking skin. This yeah. is pre-checked shirt. Yeah, they didn't grow a beard. They were born with it. They had baby right. beards. These guys are drinking maple syrup and whiskey as a cocktail for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, frankly. Uh, and you're quite right. This was somewhere they came to prospect gold. Even at this time, the gold rush was really only about 60 years old, so people knew there were still fortunes to be found if you looked hard enough. And while they were hiking in the woods, a few miles from the lake, they saw something they didn't expect. The last thing they expected, even. Almost exactly the opposite of what they were looking for. In the distance, moving through the grass, four giant animals walking upright. That's the opposite of gold? With human-like strides. <laughs> I thought it would maybe be silver or, I don't know, well, bronze. freaking close to gold, isn't it? The opposite of gold is four humanoid creatures you know the, walking in the forest. You know the, why they call it yellow gold? Why? Because regular gold's probably silver. Wait, who? No one calls it yellow gold, yeah, by the they way. Do. That, that's they not absolutely a, that's No do. way, that's a you real Google thing. Google that shit right now. What other kind of gold is there? Other colors of gold. <laughs> I guarantee it. I'll fight you on this. I'm Googling it. I'm not going to let you get away with this. <laughs> My grandfather was a prospector in Oregon, and you will honor his name. To be fair, yellow gold is used to describe just what gold is. 
but because there's like white gold. There, exactly, there's white gold. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. Listen, I'm getting fired up at the wrong section of the podcast. Yeah, you said something about humanoids. Jesus, you're <laughs> throwing me so off. This is the thing you have a problem with. Is the gold. Four giant animals walking upright with human-like strides covered in, quote, long black hair. Their ears were about four inches long, sticking straight up. The men estimated that these things weighed about 400 pounds. That's 28 stone to you and me, so pretty heavy. Right. As the look of shock and fear descended on the faces of the men, Fred Beck didn't lose any time. He pulled his rifle to his chest. Yes. Yes, Fred. And he didn't even risk a warning shot, by the way. He went straight for the vitals, rattled off several shots. I don't think they even had semi-automatic back in 1924, (laughs) but he did it somehow. He had to mod his own rifle to shoot yellow golden bullets. He had the red dot scope. The 420 skin. He hit one of the beasts three times, at which point it tumbled off this cliff sort of precipice edge and the other mysterious creatures were obviously rattled and fled the scene, leaving the men to wonder what the hell just happened. It's a shame that one poor bastard was shot three times (laughs) instead of shooting three of them. There was obviously one he really didn't like. One that was just walking with a bit more swagger, and that one got all three. One just looked kind of annoying. (laughs) Yeah, he He had a backwards hat. He was a bit chatty. He was obviously (laughs) chatting to the others too much. And I think they all felt some sense of relief at how things turned out that afternoon, that Fred had the killer instinct and didn't hesitate to shoot first, ask questions later, that they weren't ambushed in the woods trying to reload a Civil War era musket, getting their limbs torn off. Right. After all, they didn't know if the creatures would have been peaceful but they would soon find out that night in the pitch black while everyone was asleep the man woke up to a thunderous crash is it lightning or an earthquake they hear it again no it's loud smashing against the roof of their cabin causing the whole building to shake It took them a few seconds to realize what was happening, but they were being bombarded from above. Boulders were being thrown from the cliff above them, overlooking the cabin. Oh my god. And when one boulder eventually tore through the roof, it hit Beck in the kisser, he hit the deck, and as far as the others were concerned, he was either blacked out or dead. Oh my god. When they looked up through that hole in the roof, they were finally sure what was happening. The beasts were getting their revenge. They saw dark silhouettes on the cliff top, hurling rocks and boulders down. This is this is the only problem when you fire without warning, alright? You have ignited a monkey-human civil war. <laughs> you thought the first civil war was bad? Wait for this one! People usually jump from straight from World War One to World War Two, but there was mm. World War 1.5. The human v monkey battle. <laughs> very shortly after World War One, and very self-contained, but it was bloody as all hell. It was. Why do you think people were searching for gold inside of the earth? They needed to forge enough bullets <laughs> to take these monkey bastards down. Because they're the opposite of vampires. They can only be killed by yellow gold bullets. And as if the men weren't panicked and terrified enough, they heard an even louder smash at the door to the cabin. They heard giant bodies running into the walls. 
The beasts were trying to force their way in, clearly bloodthirsty. Ooh, they got like a SEAL Team 6 operation going here. <laughs> Bit of distractions on the roof, breach charges on breach the front door. <laughs> One of the beasts had a pump-action shotgun. <laughs> Bananas down the chimney to distract the I think residents. one was smoking a cigar. <laughs> says something about napalm in the morning. At this point, I'm starting to think they shot and killed a human. <laughs> but as the men avoided the boulders and presumably readied their firearms to defend themselves, dawn eventually broke and the beasts scattered, potentially because their new visibility in the sun made them vulnerable, like they had been when Fred took a shot at them earlier. Right. Needless to say, the men immediately got the hell out of there to tell the world what happened. And when I say world, I mean their local newspaper. They were soon interviewed for the Oregonian. And a few days later, a front page headline went out that startled the residents of Oregon and would go down in paranormal history books. Fight with big apes reported by miners. Fabled beasts are said to have bombarded cabin. One of animals, said to appear like huge gorilla, is killed by party. Uh, needless to say, headlines weren't quite as catchy back then. Yeah, that was a real run-on sentence. <laughs> yeah, I think there's four hyphens. <laughs> it looks like an ingredients list. Yeah, they hadn't really figured out the pun yet, but... um. But they kind of got the key information in there. Um, also, monkey killed by party makes it sound like someone let him have a beer and he fell off a roof and broke his tail or something. They really should be more specific with that sort of information. Just imagining the reporters being like, so the monkeys were trying to get into the cabin. Yes. And you guys were having a party in the cabin. No, no, no. We were just <laughs> sleeping. But but you there were whiskey bottles everywhere. <laughs> yes, granted, there were whiskey bottles and guns everywhere and playing cards, of course. <laughs> and the monkey had shots. The monkey got shot. I shot the monkey. You were drinking Goldschlager, hunting, prospecting for gold. <laughs> and you were blacked out. <laughs> blacked out from the boulders. Boulder, Colorado whiskey. <laughs> no, the real boulder. Yes, the boulder. <laughs> granted, I was drinking the whiskey. Well, hey, look, at least they did a reasonably intelligent thing, which was instead of taking this information directly to the police, mm -hmm. who, let's face it, will tell their superiors. Let's face it, our seven foot tall, covered <laughs> head to toe black hair. We'll take it to their superiors. We'll take it to their superiors. Next thing you know, you've got the, the government shutting down this story, making it, recovering the eight body and and blasting it straight to Mars. Instead, they've gone to their local papers, all right? And local papers want to report on the news. I find that they are, uh, when it comes to paranormal stories, they're very much in favor of the truth being spread as far as possible. Right. Sure, it's partially because they want to sell papers. <laughs> yeah. But course. it's also because I think a part of them believes in the paranormal and they want to spread the truth as well. So I think they, it, was, it was a smart move to go to the paper. Because... Something that the papers have in common with us, both like a crazy ass story. Exactly. You know what the government doesn't like? Crazy ass stories. <laughs> they don't like clickbait. They don't like nope. headlines and they don't like trending podcasts. Just imagining the CIA wheeling away the ape body and they're like, can't risk another 1911 ape human underground civil war. <laughs> yeah, so the body of this article read, The strangest story to come from the Cascade Mountains this week was brought by men who encountered the fabled mountain devils or mountain gorillas of Mount St. Helens, shooting one of them and being attacked through the night by rock bombardments of the beasts. 
Smith and his companions declared that they had seen the tracks of the animals several times in the last six years. And Indians have told of the mountain devils for over 60 years, but none of the animals ever have been seen before. The beast's tracks are 13 to 14 inches long. These tracks have been seen by forest rangers and prospectors for years. The prospectors built a new cabin this year, and it is believed it is close to a cave thought to be occupied by the beasts. Mr. Smith believes he knows the location of the cave. I don't know whether they knew where the monkey cave was before they built the cabin, <laughs> or whether they, after the fact, after they got attacked by the, the monkeys, that they realized, you know what, that cave looked a bit dodgy. I mean, it's, it's interesting enough that this is something that is already acknowledged by local communities. It's already an established part of the lore of these woods. I wonder, did the did the the prospecting party know of any of these legends before they went out into onto freaking Monkey Island, <laughs> Mount Saint Monkey, as it seems to be? <laughs> I don't think so. Um, it's something we'll get to in a bit. But these men did go on to detail this story in um, into kind of specifics, and I don't believe that they went in with any real preconceived notions. Okay. Um, other than potentially the odd track they had come across, right? Um, that maybe forest rangers had spoken about, but he just—he was pretty fast to shoot the monkey. <laughs> is all I'm gonna say. It sounded like it wasn't a beat that went by before he fired off rounds at that thing. Even if you thought it was just a monkey, you probably shouldn't go around just killing monkeys in the forest. Right off the bat, if you're a gold prospector, why do you need the gun to begin with? <laughs> You don't have to shoot the rocks. Like the first rustle in the hedge, Fred brings out his bolt action rifle. <laughs> like, Fred, where did you get that thing from? We all brought pickaxes and shit. <laughs> this, this is kind of like, you know, when there's a lot of movies that do this. I think it happens in one of the Jurassic Park movies where basically a whole team go somewhere for one reason. And then it turns out halfway through the movie that one of the people who brought them there had a completely ulterior motive. It sounds like Fred, is it, who shot the monkey? Right. It sounds like he has a vendetta against these apes and convinced his friends that there was gold in the mountains <laughs> so he could have a hunting party go out to kill these beasts. The, the Scooby-Doo plotline is that Fred is one of the monkeys. Fred was up on the cliff throwing rocks at his friends. Uh, and it's some like as soon as uh, the rangers are like, wow, did you see where they went to? He was like, the cave. They came from the cave. The cave. They went back in the cave. Uh, so I pretty much think we need to demolish that side of the mountain, which actually, if you think about it, would leave quite a bit of room for a nice new railway line <laughs> through it. Granted, I do own a railway company. Um, <laughs> no coincidence whatsoever. I'm pretty sure I don't remember uh, the specific details of Scooby-Doo because it's been a long time since I've seen it. But I'm pretty sure the conclusion of every single episode was that it was the guy who owned the property who was haunting his yeah. own property. The landlords <laughs> were always the demons. Every single time. You'd think at one point they'd be like, alright, so just before we do this whole thing, <laughs> can we just watch the CTTV cameras and see what this guy does at night? You'd save yourself a lot of time. You wouldn't have to run from door to door. You yeah. should probably just arrest the landlord let's, as soon as you show up. Let's just track the richest guy in the tri-state area, and it's probably him. It's gonna be him. It's gonna be him. He's greedy. Like, 
even for the writers of Scooby-Doo, they never they never threw in like a oh it was a crazy homeless guy. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't just which, like which it should have been at least one. Yeah, it should have been like a crackhead who just bought an outfit from a Halloween store. Yeah, because it, it was always someone they knew. Fred never pulled the mask off and was like, "Who the f- is this?" Which, which would have been a really a really interesting take. Yeah, if the real monster was underneath the mask. Back then, they didn't have the luxury of these twenty-five part Netflix murder mystery series. They had to build up and conclude, much like this podcast, build up and conclude a story in about fifteen minutes, which isn't easy, folks. All right, we make it look easy, but it's not. A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Kit, when we bottle up our emotions, it can start to affect us negatively. Sometimes it's important that we get stuff off our chest. Tell me about it. I found a UFO in the forest and now this thing is attached to my chest. Jesus, that's an alien. Mm -hmm. All right, I was speaking metaphorically about dealing with emotions and talking about our feelings by using services like BetterHelp. I don't need to talk about my feelings. This thing can read my mind. Therapy can be a great way to set boundaries and become the best version of yourself. With BetterHelp, you can get matched with a licensed therapist that suits your needs. It's online, convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. We're saying they can get things off my chest, like uh, Zonktar here. Don't give it a name. Maybe me and Zonktar can sign up for BetterHelp together. Give it a shot, and whatever it is, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Paranormal Life today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Paranormal Life. So yeah, kind of mixed bag. Um, Kind of interesting, there does seem to be some awareness with the forest rangers, maybe even with the prospectors, maybe even seeing things over the years that they couldn't quite explain, but, you know, couldn't put a seven-foot monkey uh, to the name. Of course. But pretty cool that the local paper, The Oregonian, covered it. And thankfully, unlike today's liberal media, who are more concerned with celebrity clickbait than the hard-hitting facts, this wasn't a one-and-done footnote in the weekly paper. They did several more articles about these beasts that they dubbed the Mountain Devils. And you can imagine, in 1924, that this news sent people into quite the panic. After all, if these things almost killed the entire party of prospectors, they won't hesitate to strike again. Also, would you say this is 1924? Yep. I mean, these are the hyper-religious days as well. You call anything a devil, and immediately you have the entire world turned against it. 
I did think it's kind. It seems like a that name comes out of nowhere. Yeah. What the other name for them? What'd you say? It was just like forest monkeys, which is just <laughs> I a think monkey. It was more our thoughts, but yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Like the description: seven foot tall, hairy humanoid, uh, four uh, four inch tall ears poking out, and they went with mountain devil. I don't yeah. really get it. No horns. No like pointy tails. Yeah. No puff of red smoke. It sounds like it's a monkey, guys. <laughs> I don't want to make that conclusion yet, but... Like, you would think at least the forest rangers, like, this could be some kind of undiscovered, uh, to science, species <laughs> of ape. And it would be fantastic to be able to um, capture one of the species, um, document it for scientific purposes, and release it into the wild. This forest ranger is like, it's a devil. <laughs> It's a devil in the mountain, which is the same as a sea devil and sky devil to me. They all need to burn in hell. I love this dynamic of having one logical park ranger and his partner is the most insanely religious, violent man alive. They can't even agree on the principles of forestry. Yeah. <laughs> the super religious one's like, we need to burn the trees. We need to burn every tree. <laughs> Only once the forest has burned will the... <laughs> <laughs> Will a great new forest rise again from the ashes? Now, Max, I'm just not sure that's the direction we should uh, take in the preservation of the forest. What preserves the forest more than making it all look the same, very <laughs> ashy and flat? Max, what, what what do you mean? What preserves the forest more than fire? Well, we have, I mean, we... We can clear the paths, we can make sure the trees are successfully fed, we can cut trails so uh, families can explore through wilderness. Or we cut down the entire thing and make about a hundred thousand new Bibles. The forest corrupts the minds of the kids, they shouldn't be out there anyway, they need to be back in church. Yeah, so people are wondering, is it even safe for anyone to be around Mount St. Helens anymore? Uh, are these mountain devils going to spread out? What if they start moving into cities? Putting on suits, driving cars. What people needed was answers. How can we know if what Fred Beck and co. said happened really happened? They needed the authorities to step in and investigate. And that would happen in due time. But what makes this case really interesting is that a small number of people already knew about the Mountain Devils. In fact, the Native American nations of the Northwest knew a lot about Mountain Devils. Oh... And so, newspapers, including the Oregonian, turned to them to write about what was happening. And just a few days after the first attack, the front page of the Oregonian read, Mountain Devils, mystery grows deeper. Giants said to roam hills. Shaggy creatures kill game by hypnotism, it is said. Ventriloquism is also used. So this article was written by uh, Jorg Totsky from the Klallam tribe, an editor of The Real American. The big apes reported to have bombarded a shack of prospectors at Mount St. Helens are recognized by Northwestern Indians as none other than the Seatic tribe of Indians. We have long kept the history of the Seatic tribe a secret because they are a skeleton in our closet. Another reason we keep it a secret is because we knew the white man would not believe our stories. The Seatic Indians are no less than seven feet tall, some up to eight feet in height. They have hairy bodies like a bear to protect them from the cold because they live entirely in the mountains. They hunt their game entirely by hypnotism and have great supernatural powers. Where did that come from? Also They're wizards? 
Also, they have the gift of ventriloquism and have deceived many ordinary Indians by throwing their voices. At times, Oregon Indians have been greatly humiliated by the Seatics' vulgar sense of humor. The Seatics play practical jokes upon them and steal their Indian women. Sometimes an Indian woman does come back, but more often she does not. And it's a it pretty is pretty intense prank. <laughs> I don't know if that's a prank. I think that's kidnapping and possibly murder. <laughs> everything's if that's your scale of a vulgar sense of humor, everything's kind of yeah funny to you i guess everything's a little funny when it's done by a monkey wizard but that doesn't make it right like if a monkey wizard came up with a knife and shanked me i'd be like oh but i it's kind of funny i guess you're like that's you have a dark sense of humor sir you, <laughs> you really little scamp do. one of these monkey wizards gets a hbo stand-up special it's just an hour of him shanking the audience <laughs> critics are like it's dark but highly amusing it is even said by some Northwestern Indians that because they've taken these Indian women, it's even said by some Northwestern Indians that they have a strain of the Seatic blood in them. And this news article relayed a lot more information about what they call the Seatic. But crucially, it gave a list of tribe members from different nations who basically vouched for the authenticity of this information. Kind of like the rubber stamp of approval to say, this is real Native American history. We believe this in our nation. We believe this, believe it in our nation. Right, right, Across right. corroborating, you know? And one of these men that co-signed the article is called Henry Napoleon of the Clallam tribe. And it turns out Henry didn't just hear or read about the Seatic, but he had seen it with his own eyes. He actually signed the document with an inky monkey fist <laughs> slamming down on top of it. <laughs> I can vouch that these guys are real. Yep. <laughs> We do, I mean, they do hypnotism. Once, Henry was visiting relatives near Duncan in British Columbia. And while there, they told him many stories from the Cowichan tribe, including many stories involving the Seatic. Of course, he didn't think too much about it, given he had never heard or encountered one before. But they warned him, do not go too far into the wilderness here. That's some real Lion King shit right there. It's like, I'm just here to eat meatloaf and hang out with my relatives. Yeah. Why, why are you getting weird? I wasn't going to go. Now I kind of want I was to, gonna granted. Just, yeah. I was going to just stay inside, do puzzle games. But now you're telling me there's somewhere called the Forbidden Zone? <laughs> we didn't say that. Hey, we didn't say that. We said don't go too far. He's like, the dreamland, the, the promised land. How am I supposed, you're to, saying? supposed to sleep at night knowing that there is this monkey Eden right across the anything. horizon? Nothing about monkeys. I just don't know how I'm going to stay here knowing that there are golden bananas in the woods. No one said golden. No one said bananas. Fuck it. I'm out. I'm, <laughs> thanks for dinner. I got to see what these monkey guys are up to. I can't. <laughs> I'm going to go too far. I'm going too far into the woods. So you know it's bad. You know it's too far. Look, I can't sit here and slurp your soup while I know that just beyond the cliffside is monkey Hogwarts. I've got my letter. I've got my owl. I'm going. But as days pass, Henry is in the woods hunting a buck that he has wounded and is now chasing down. As the buck escapes deeper into the woods, Henry thinks back to the words of his relatives, don't go too far. But he can't stop now, so he delved further. Henry said, it was at twilight when I came across an animal, a huge bear. But as soon as I lifted my gun to my shoulder and aimed it at him, it turned to me and said, stop. Oh, 
and spoke to me in the language of my tribe. Oh my god. But to find out what the mountain devil said, you have to tune in next week, ladies and gentlemen. Oh! Because there is too damn much in this story, in the story of Fred Beck and the prospectors uh, in Mount St. Helens. Listen, folks, I went into this as usual. You know, just thinking we could wrap this up one and on Scooby-Doo style, pull the mask off the beast and uh, get it over with. But it turns out there's a lot more to this. Uh, I mean, I should have guessed when it got into kind of Native American history that there was going to be more to this than met the eye. Yeah, but uh, so in this story, this, one up. this week's episode is a lot like the story. You know, we've given you a bit of the history, but... In the next episode, right beyond the hills, there is a forest of monkey, monkey wizards no, living I mean, no, in the beautiful no one said anything about Eden. There's no eat. No, we didn't say it. And like, what we have to do is just push a little devils. further into that forest. No, said don't go any further. And we need to just just swing from They're the very vines, dangerous, dangerous. Push through devils. the bushes. I mean, mountain devils. Get in there and just grab whatever's there by the neck no, and investigate. They will kill you. They will absolutely bombard you with boulders. So make sure and tune in next week for the conclusion of the case of the mountain devils of Mount Saint Helens. And remember, folks, while we will be back next week with the conclusion of this tale, if you just cannot wait if you simply need more paranormal tales in your life remember that there is always our bonus episodes over on patreon.com forward slash this paranormal life where for a few bucks a month you can get access to a sort of fine i'll say it a a, a monkey eden level banana is. store i knew of, it i'm you not, son I'm of not a saying bitch. it's in the next episode you I'm were just, trying to hide it from I'm us just it's just a metaphor. Came, yeah, it's a pretty accurate metaphor, I would say. But the Patreon is Mount St. Helens. Right. <laughs> What's bonus the bonus episodes? The monkeys? They're the golden nuggets. The nuggets. We're going okay. back to the nuggets. <laughs> yeah, and you can get access to those from just five bucks a month. And as usual, we like to take time at the end of every episode to shout out those who have supported us on Patreon. That's what we're going to do right now. Let's go. Thank you to Courtney Powell. Courtney Powell is a owl. Who? Who? <laughs> That's right. She's floating around um, Mount St. Courtney looking for little golden nuggets. But uh-oh, there's boulders getting thrown left, right, and center. So she can't she can't get a single uh, yellow nug. It's a dangerous time to be an owl, my friend, when you've got demons on the ground, boulders in the sky. Courtney, I wish you the best of luck. Thanks also to the ballinest mother. This is actually one of those ironic rap names. Yeah, it's like there's so many like rappers now that, like with Lil in the name. Yeah, but if you have Lil in your name, that really means that you're a a giant fat drug addicted um, <laughs> middle aged right rapper. It's, it's all opposite. It's opposite. Yeah, like Biggie Smalls. He's Biggie, but he's he's not small. They no. shouldn't have called him that. No. Uh, Tupac famously only ever had one pack of anything gum beer never any more than one it's all opposites in the rap game so the bowling is mother is the cheapest piece of shit he's at this point he's not even a rapper he's just an accountant (laughs) for sure yeah but thank you for your support anyway i guess true to your name i hope you get even less cool somehow yeah thanks also to terry eind terry is one very scary fairy what? I don't think fairies are scary. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, the tooth fairy's pretty freaking weird. I guess. And But then, you know, it's kind of nice. They come take your tooth, leave you a bit of money. 
Terry is the eye fairy. She comes for your eyes. What? But not a lot of people want to give their eyes up like they would with their baby teeth. Of course not. Because you don't have baby eyes. No. <laughs> they don't fall out of your head and you get your adult eyes coming in. So um, it's been a really tough time for Terry trying to get a single eye. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad to see that you're enjoying the podcast and hopefully one day you'll get one of those eyes. Thanks also to Adam O'Sullivan. You know, The X-Files was originally cast as uh, Mulder and Sully. Oh, really? That's right. It was Mano y Mano. They, like, focus group tested that one a bit. And um, Adam didn't have quite the same chemistry with Mulder, so uh, he got axed pretty quick. Oh, Adam, I'm so sorry. He is a real FBI agent, though, so had that to fall back on. Hey, that's pretty good. I don't know why he was pursuing an acting career if Adam is a qualified FBI agent. Yes, it it was a really low-level pilot as well. It was just, like, some indie (laughs) shit. I don't know why he was interested at all. Bizarre. Hey, I'm sorry you got axed from the show, but I'm glad you're here with us now. Thanks also to Jenny Morrissey. Jenny, the more I see, the more I like. Because you're not Jenny from the block. You're Jenny from the cops. That's right. We got an officer of the law listening to this podcast. My God. We got a piggy mole on the inside. Supporting this show, sending us details. Folks, you have no idea how, how great it is to have a cop who listens to the podcast, all right? A, we've been we've been <laughs> shitting on cops for a while, but having cops in the commune? Yeah. We can run names through their computer systems. Amazing. We can, um, you know, alter people's arrest records if we want to take them down. It's really, really great. And Jenny's just been... We should probably beep this, because if this gets out, she'll sure. probably be fired from the force of course. immediately. Um, but Jenny's just been leaking documents, giving mm-hmm. us confiscated mm-hmm. evidence. She just lends us the little red light you put on top of your car. So I've been running red lights left, right, and center. Yeah, just trying to get to the shops quicker and things. Yeah. It's been great, Jenny. Thank you so much. We'll beep all this. Don't worry. Thanks also to Jordan Walters. Jordan Walters never falters. He was actually there that day on Mount St. Helens. Fred actually took a couple uh, pot shots left and right of the first beast. Granted, went right through Jordan Walters. He, he took him where it hurt. But uh, he got shot. He, he doesn't falter, so he didn't <laughs> fall off the cliff. He just hobbled back to um, Mountain Devil A&E and got patched up and lived to tell a tale. Wow. I mean, it's one thing not faltering, but he survived three gunshots. Oh, yeah. That's beyond not faltering. I think he's immortal. I think it was a very old uh, prospector rifle, so it was basically a BB gun. They're probably worse. It's like infected bullets covered in rust. My God. Just stuffing raccoon poop in there. (laughs) I mean, I didn't want to put your whole life on blast there, Jordan, but uh, it's a pretty interesting story. Thanks also to Kyle Prince. Kyle, you are the prince of the commune. But unfortunately, as you know, in the commune, kings are peasants and princes Princes are are paupers. paupers. That's right. You are on kitchen duty, my friend. Making chicken poppers for, uh uh-oh, the princes. The princes and coppers. So that, thank you for all of your services, your highness. Um, we hope you're enjoying your stay in the paranormal commune. <laughs> your highness is a little thing we like to call the homeless here in the commune. <laughs> Thanks also to Richard Byrne. Richard took our advice so literally that he 
burned down his second name. <laughs> he was actually Richard Smith, and he burned it down, and now he's Richard Burn. <laughs> he walks around with, with two fistfuls of lighters just everywhere he goes, setting fire to anything. He once set fire to water. What? I don't know how this son of a bitch does it. He just is hot. It was pretty cool when Jesus walked on water. Yeah. But arguably kind of crazier to set fire to it. Pretty pretty badass. Wow. Thanks also to Josh De La Haye. Josh De La Haye wants to stay at the paranormal commune. Oh. But as we know, Josh is posh. Which mm. means <laughs> Josh ain't posh in these parts. How would you like kitchen duty, my friend? Hope you like sleeping on stone-cold floors. And serving chicken poppers to your leaders. But, you know, after a couple weeks, you're no longer Posh Josh. You're Josh the Chicken Boy. And what happens to poor little chicken boys? They are the kings of the commune, oh, my friend. Lord. It flips. The, it's like the upside down in Stranger Things. That's what the commune is like. There are demigorgons running wild, Josh. just as terrifying. <laughs> oh, yes. There are there are government mind control experiments going on. Left, right, and center. And we're happy that you're at the heart of it. Thanks, lastly, but not leastly, to Joe Interante. Joe Interante owns his own restaurante. Whoa. And there's only one dish on the menu. Chicken poppers. <laughs> for the For the civilians of the paranormal commune and civilians is putting it very nicely but that's not to belittle joe he is a michelin star chef of course these are the finest only the finest. chicken poppers you have ever had it melt in your mouth he doesn't really like to make them we just kind of make him make them yeah you know what i mean he actually wants to make a bunch of other stuff like yeah. filet mignon steaks he's got some kobe beef i think back there but every time he brings the menus out i will i'm like Take it away. I do not need it, Joe. You know what I shall have. <laughs> Joe, didn't you hear we have an egg shortage, darling? We can't make any of this. He's like, this doesn't require any eggs. <laughs> it's because you keep eating the chickens. <laughs> All you need is chicken poppers. That's why there's no eggs. <laughs> Silence. Oh, no. Even less eggs this week. Chicken poppers it is. <laughs> Medium rare. We have to cook your chicken. Silence, Joe. So thank you, Joe, for, for feeding the commune. Thanks to everyone we've just mentioned and uh, everyone we've done in the past and everyone we are yet to do. If your shout out hasn't happened just yet, uh, please hang in there. Thanks for being so patient. Um, I think we're currently shouting out folks from um, kind of around June. Um, it is possible. We, we really do our best to keep track of everyone who signs up and make sure we shout out their name on the cast. Occasionally we do miss folks. If you think uh, we have missed yours in the last couple of months, keep it to yourself. Do let us don't know. Point don't our listen mistakes. to him. Don't All listen. Right? We don't make flaws. Don't we listen. don't have Just, problems. Okay, just email me. It's fine. And we'll get right on it. Um, but thanks for your patience. Um, otherwise, we'll be back next week to find out what happens to Henry in the woods of Oregon. It's going to get bananas. Hey. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient which makes you less busy. 
Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.